You're listening to the Ruby on Rails podcast. You're listening to episode 384, and I'm your co-host, Brittany Martin. I have been talking about them for weeks, and they are here, the junior developers of Texas. Sandra Catalina spent the majority of the last decade working for Habitat for Humanity in a variety of roles, from leading volunteers on construction sites to leadership and management roles in Habitat Resource. They're still involved with Habitat and other housing-oriented nonprofits in Denver called Angelica Village in their spare time. Texas is their first full-time role out of school, and they could not be happier to be part of such a supportive, learning-oriented team. I did not ask them to say that. Jeff Golden began his career in journalism, writing for daily and weekly newspapers before making the jump to digital marketing within the outdoor industry. More than a decade after graduating college, Jeff re-examined his career goals and decided to roll in a coding boot camp to pursue another lifelong love, programming. His non-work hobbies include reading, writing, hiking, mountaineering, golf, and other outdoor adventures with his wife, Liz, and border collie, Mix Zia. He lives in Arvada, Colorado. Luke Mason has always had a high interest in technology, especially in the world of programming. His favorite scenes in movies are those incredibly realistic hacker scenes with the crazy gooey flying all over the screen. Jurassic Park, he's looking at you. Luke studied front-end engineering at the Turing School of Software and Design, which is a coding boot camp in Denver, Colorado. Aside from engineering, Luke enjoys spending his time in the mountains, seeing live music, and petting any dog that comes across. Welcome to the show, everybody. Yeah, glad to be here. Thanks for having us. Yes, thank you, Brittany. So we're going to kick it off like we always do. Sandra, what is your developer origin story? Yeah, origin story. I think going all the way back to Habitat times, we'll just say I like data, uh, which is maybe a boring origin story that other people think. But I was focusing on our sales data for the Habitat Restores and making sure it was something we could actually utilize and restructuring what I didn't understand at the time to be a database. I was just like, these are spreadsheets that tells me sales data. And I was talking to someone actually went to school that I ended up going to with Luke, the Turing School of Software and Design. But they were like, what you're describing is normalizing a database. Like, are you enjoying this? That seems like a very specific thing to be enjoying. So yeah, I ended up talking to them and some other developers that they connected me with. And yeah, ended up going to, to Turing. And now, now we're here working at Textus. You sure are. Now moving on to Jeff, what is your developer origin story? Yeah, kind of like was mentioned in the intro. I got my my start in journalism. I went to school and got an English degree with a, a journalism minor and uh, was always really close. I, I actually started as a freshman, starting off with computer science and ended up switching to English sophomore year. And so I've always had this, this interest and passion for computers and programming. But at the time, I followed my, my journalism passion first. And, you know, very quickly, this was even back in 2008, 2009. And even then, journalism was kind of drying up job-wise, career-wise. And so I, I made a go of it for four or five years and switched to digital marketing, which is uh, a very similar skill set. You know, it's very rooted in, in writing and content and just a lot of people switch from journalism to marketing. And so that's what I did. And then after, you know, another five or seven years, I realized I'm in this career path that I never really meant to be on. You know, I did marketing because it was adjacent to journalism and I, I wanted a little bit more stability and a, a longer term career path. But after a while, I realized, well, marketing wasn't really where I wanted to be either. So I, I decided to enroll in a boot camp to go back and, and kind of right that wrong that, you know, I, I probably should have just followed the computer science thread in the beginning. So glad that boot camps like I went to Flatiron School. I know Luke and Sandra went to a touring school, 
but I'm glad that boot camps like that exist for, for people like us, because, you know, you're not always wanting to continue down the career path that you started with. Couldn't agree more. Last but not least, Luke, what is your developer origin story? I would want to say it began when I was in college. I was a junior year, so third year at Colorado State University. And I was feeling a little passionate, I guess is the correct word to say, about the degree I was going into. It was technical communications. But like in my intro, I was always very interested in programming. Computers have always been a big passion of mine. And that's why I kind of went through that technical communications route, because it was the computer science degree was a little daunting to me. It always sounded like it was very math heavy, very kind of brainiac degree to go in. And I felt that I didn't really have those skills. So I resulted technical communications and In my third year, I didn't find myself enjoying the classes I was taking. So I was taking electives in Python at Colorado State University. And yeah, I just uh, enjoyed the hell out of those Python courses. And I found that I was very passionate about it. And I, and it wasn't actually insanely challenging. So I wanted to switch into my computer science degree and After talking to my advisor about it, they let me know that it would have been another three years at school to complete that degree. So after a long time of weighing my options out, I decided to drop out of Colorado State University. So rather than going on and finishing my degree, I wanted to follow something that I was passionate about. And I felt that the university life was probably not the way to do it. So After dropping out of school and taking a couple of years just working some random restaurant jobs and warehouse jobs, I ended up following my programming passion and found myself at Turing School of Software and Design with Sandra. And there I went into the front end program and then graduated. And next thing you know, I am now at Textus as a junior front end engineer. Yeah, that's so fantastic. And one of my favorite things about you, Trio, is that each of you went on a different track. And so starting with you, Luke, I'm curious if you had a background in Python, what led you to do the front end course as opposed to the back end? Yeah, absolutely. So the Python courses were kind of like an introduction and I did really enjoy that. At the time, I didn't know that there was really a back end engineering and front end engineering. Everything was so new to me in the software world. But after doing some research and seeing those kind of two paths that you could take, I really found myself enjoying the front end side of things because of data visualization. I'm definitely a visual learner and I really appreciate creating awesome interfaces and designing things are a lot of fun. So front end just really spoke to me in that area. That makes total sense. Now, Sandra, what led you to the back end program? Yeah, I think even what Luke said earlier in in that answer before about like kind of software, like alluding to software development being intimidating almost. Because of that, I like my friend that went to Turing that introduced me to this world, you could say, got me like a free code to go to a tri-coding weekend at Turing. So I did like a whole front end day and then a whole back end day. And my, actually the reverse back end was first. And I was like, I had pages of notes of just like, oh, this makes sense. And on the front end day, all I wrote in my notebook when I look back at it just recently was nope, which is how I made that decision. But I think just the idea of having access to data that's useful and efficient and 
and things like that is really appealing to me, which is how I steered more towards the back end and database side for sure. What's really funny is that I had reached out to Turing specifically to look for candidates for these roles because we had such good experience in the past. A lot of the developers that text us went through Turing. But in order to diversify like our candidates, I had spoken with our HR manager about bringing another boot camp into play. And so I was actively in talks with Flatiron and they were going to send me candidates. And literally within that hour, I got the resume from Jeff, which was incredibly well written. I was really excited that he did go to a full stack camp, but really had a propensity for the front end. So I'm curious, Jeff, what was your experience in choosing a full stack camp? Yeah, you know, I, I looked into to touring school uh, as well as Flatiron School when I was kind of shopping around and exploring the boot camp option. And one of my main mentors as a touring school grad who went to the back end. And so he's kind of the, the person who was guiding me a lot of the time. But I ended up going to Flatiron School, honestly, because they had a cohort starting much earlier than touring school. But I honestly kind of think that's kind of lucky. And I'm not saying that to throw any shade at touring. Uh, Luke and Sandra are, are both brilliant, but I, I enjoyed having the exposure to both front end and back end. I, I really liked the full stack program because going into it, I honestly, uh, you know, on a conceptual level, I knew what back end was and what front end was, but like not really. And so it was nice to, if I'd been forced to choose right away, I don't know. If I would have felt equipped to do that. So going to the full stack program, we started with Rails and about the time I started to really understand backend and schemas and, and getting comfortable with Rails, they switched us right over to JavaScript. You know, it's like, you know, you guys, I'm just getting comfortable with Rails and you want me to call a hash an object now? It just, it, it just makes it all that much more confusing. But uh, I think all along, I knew that I wanted to go. I had a bias toward the front end just based on my digital marketing background. I knew that I'd spent a lot of my career building websites with like Shopify and WordPress, just using their blocks and, and writing the content and, and stuff like that. So I, just weaving in my prior experience and my background, I knew that going the front end route probably gave me a little bit of a leg up just based on my experience. Uh, so that's the way I went, but it was super valuable to at least get that little bit of introduction at two months worth of Rails instruction to at least understand what the backend does and how all that works, I, I think has certainly been beneficial. I think it's absolutely been beneficial. And I think the listeners have heard me talk about this before, but I think it's incredibly important to take into account what a junior developer's past careers have been. No matter what you've been doing, whether or not you've been in the service industry, whether or not you've been doing something more technical, it's going to lend well to being a junior developer, even if it's just having that base professional experience of being in the workplace. This episode of the Ruby on Rails podcast is brought to you by Honey Badger. Honey Badger is one of the easiest decisions you can make. As an engineering lead on a tech stack that supports a UI, API, mobile application, and Chrome extension, it is awesome to have all of my error monitoring, uptime monitoring, and check-in monitoring in one place. No matter how great your team is, your code is going to have errors. Honey Badger empowers your whole team to own the features they ship. Honey Badger sends you alerts real time with all the context needed to see what's causing the error and where it's hiding so you can quickly fix it and get on with your day. The included uptime and cron monitoring also lets you know when your external services are having issues or your background jobs go missing or silently fail. Head over to honeybadger.io and discover how Honey Badger is used by tens of thousands of pragmatic developers and companies of all sizes who want to focus on shipping great error-free products. So staying with you, Jeff, I'm curious, how have your past careers helped you in being a junior developer? 
Yeah, I spent long enough in my career path where I had worked up to having some director level roles. I was marketing director at a few different places. I was uh, before boot camp. I was press director of a publishing house, and so just having that responsibility and having those, uh, you know, I had people that reported to me. I, I worked for probably a half dozen different companies throughout my prior career, and so I got exposed to a lot of different management styles, a lot of different people. I got used to managing different kind of people, and so just having that decade worth of soft skills, I think goes a long way and just being able to be professional and know how to work with people, know having an understanding of my own strengths and weaknesses and being honest with myself and knowing what I was good at, what I continually need to con- keep working at and, and stuff like that. I think just having just that a decade of professional soft skills and experience was, was super helpful. And then the second thing that I think was important was working in digital marketing and social media it's also a continual learning environment. There's always new apps coming out, new social media platforms, new ways to advertise, new ways to reach people. So you kind of had to have that continual learning, that discovery, that curiosity. You always had to be at the cutting edge. You know, I got in the, the habit of reading blogs, listening to podcasts to always know what's, what's new, what's next. And that definitely translates to uh, programming and development. Excellent. Well, when I hired Sandra, I thought I was hiring a junior backend developer, but I actually got a two for one. I got both a junior developer and a secret project manager. So I'm curious, Sandra, same question to you. Yeah, similar to what Jeff is describing, just having that managerial experience and business management experience and, and things like that. I think actually coding somewhat feels similar to like the nonprofit world of like, I don't know, the nonprofit world, like the idea of like, you only have so many resources at hand to do the best that you can. And in this world, it's like, you only have so much knowledge as a junior to do the best that you can. So like relying on our team and like the different team dynamics, I think we have an awesome team that is just always open to help and things like that. And then yeah, communicating for sure. I definitely try to communicate across the board as much as possible if I think it might affect someone else in different ways like that. So yeah, I I definitely enjoy project management type of space, headspace, I guess. So I'm actually curious about your time at boot camp. How did you manage your time? Were you able to have a life balance while you were there? Yeah. Was it possible? Um, let's see. It was, Turing was definitely very time consuming. I kind of knew what I was getting myself into from reading reviews and things about work life balance in the boot camp. So it was manageable, but I would say that I kind of struck luck when I went to Turing during COVID quarantine. So my social life was kind of already on hold for seven months. So it it made it a little bit easier. But yeah, it was definitely more, a lot more energy put towards school than it was kind of outside. So it was like a really big emphasis on developing your personal habits before starting Turing because it was 70 hours a week you're spent working on your computer, but then you want to get those habits down to also take care of yourself and take care of your mental health and things like that. That makes a lot of sense. So I suspect that we have a lot of listeners today who are listening in who might be considered becoming a junior developer or might actually be looking for their first role out of a boot camp. And so I definitely want to get advice from you three. How did you tackle landing your first role, Jeff? I basically graduated my boot camp and just we had our little graduation ceremony on Friday and I I took the weekend to reset and relax and refresh. And then Monday, I was just right back at it with job applications and continuing to learn. I came out of boot camp in my mid 30s. I have a mortgage, a wife, all those good things. And so I didn't really have 
a ton of time to be taking time for myself or, or dipping my toe into certain things. I, I really wanted to get a job and get started. So I treated it, the job search, like a full-time job. I, I would log into my computer at 9 a.m. I would work till five. I would apply for jobs. I would keep learning. I would work through, I would code personal projects, which I think is, is key to stay sharp. But then I picked out in my job applications, I noticed, hey, TypeScript is coming up a lot. Hey, Redux is coming up a lot. And so I noticed those trends and these gaps in my skill set. And so I, I sought out to learn those things. And I said, all right, I'm seeing TypeScript come up in 75% of applications. That's what I'm going to focus my time learning. So just paying attention to those trends. But yeah, I absolutely treated it just like a continuation of boot camp for a couple of months until I finally got this success roll. That's excellent. I was really excited that Turing had produced these new portfolios. So I'm curious to hear from either Luke or Sandra about how you approach filling out that portfolio to make sure that you could be noticed amongst all the candidates. Yeah, I think we also had a uh, Turing like professional development staff who would coach us on how to write those, how to stand out. So yeah, I won't speak to the front end because their portfolios are fancier than the back end students, but just being honest and not making it so dry, I guess and putting your personality out there on the landing page of all the portfolios. It's funny that you say that because I actually went through each of your portfolios, including Luke and Sandra's when we were going through Turing. And because we have graduates of Turing in the past, I sat with those developers and they pointed out the projects that Turing typically does. But because I had that as a base knowledge, I knew whether or not the candidate had actually pushed it a bit further and put some personality into it. So. Sandra, you are correct. We were looking for that because we definitely wanted to add to the culture to the team as well. I am curious when you went to go look for roles by a lot of companies at this point when you had graduated had started going remote first. I'm curious for yourself and, you know, potentially other people in your class. Was that an advantage or a disadvantage? Personally, I looked at it as an advantage for me personally. I did. One of the big reasons of why I became a software engineer was to do remote work so I can work wherever I want. And that was a really big benefit towards me. But it became quite an advantage when I went through Turing and it was remote as well. So I kind of knew how a professional remote environment worked at that point. And I find that remote companies tend to be way more on top of their communication as far as like emails and just communication in general across just worded messages, because that's kind of the way they have to communicate with one another. So I feel that it just became a lot more responsive from those companies than ones that were not remote first. It's funny that you say that because I've actually gotten the comment from several people at Texas. So the three of you are really good at Slack. And I point out the fact that you came up through a remote boot camp. And so that was just part of the culture from the very beginning. Now, let's get into some potentially controversial advice. Does anyone have any controversial advice for aspiring junior developers who still need to find a role? I guess this is controversial because I, I see it discussed a lot on LinkedIn, but I love cover letters. I think cover letters are an essential part of a job application. I know that for coding, a lot of people might not jive with that and they don't want to write about themselves. And it's it takes a long time. It can be difficult. But I, I think especially as a junior, when you're trying to find your first job, anything you can do to stand out from the crowd, everybody has become out of a boot camp. They generally have four to seven months of very basic intro level coding experience. And so what can you do to help yourself stand out? And I think the cover letter is tool number one. Well, in addition to your website and personal portfolio. But I, I love cover letters. I wish more people would fall in love with them too. 
you 100% caught my eye because you had written such a personal cover letter. So that's actually really good advice. But I agree with you. I feel like there's a mentality nowadays that is no longer necessary. And depending on the company, I really think it can make the difference between you being passed on or getting the interview. I think Luke can attest to this because we did a lot of projects in the last section of Turing together. But about midway through the seven month program, I started doing coffee chats once a week, sometimes two or three times a week with just people I randomly found online or through the Turing network or other boot camps. And I guess the controversial piece, some people are like, every coffee chat is so important and it is, you need to like ace this coffee chat. And I think I went for the bulk idea of that, of just like, these are partly helping me prep for interviews because I have to do my own pitch of myself every time and practice that. So I thought of them as practice. And I think some people are like, they're so important. That is you're building your network. And I think just it's okay to have a throwaway coffee chat. It's okay if that's not your next, you know, job lead or whatever it is to just do it and get out of your, your own comfort zone. That's so interesting. How did you approach scoring those coffee chats? And did you ever have a situation where like a minute into the coffee chat, you're like, yeah, this isn't the coffee chat for me? Yeah, definitely. I scheduled them again, like Turing kind of coached us and was like, oh, just ask for 10 minutes, 15 minutes like these short amounts. And if it's going well and that person has more time and it's driving, then I ended up talking to people for more than an hour sometimes and just leaving space for that, booking that in. But yeah, about sometimes it'd be like, well, we're at the 15 minute mark. I'm going to tap out. I mean, it was more just like gut instinct of like, yeah, we're maybe not driving or like the company that I'm asking you questions about does not at all sound like a good fit. And that's okay. That's good information to, to collect. 100%. This episode of the Ruby on Rails podcast is brought to you by Scout APM. Scout APM is leading edge application performance monitoring that is designed to help Rails developers quickly find and fix performance issues. All this without having to deal with the headache or overhead of enterprise platform feature bloat. With developer-centric UI and tracing logic that ties bottlenecks to source code, you can quickly pinpoint and resolve performance issues. These include N plus one queries, slow database queries, memory bloat, and more. Scout's real-time alerting and weekly digest emails let you rest easy knowing that Scout's on watch and resolving performance issues before your customers ever see them. Scout has also launched its new error monitoring feature add-on for Ruby applications. Now you can connect your error reporting and application monitoring data on one platform. See for yourself why developers worldwide call Scout their best friend and try their error monitoring and APM free for 14 days, no credit card needed. And as an added bonus for Ruby on Rails listeners, Scout will donate $5 to the open source project of your choice when you deploy. Learn more at scoutapm.com slash Ruby on Rails. Let's move on to mentorship because it's so important when you're a junior developer. So starting with Luke, do you have a mentor at Textus and do you maintain a mentor outside of work? Everybody has been just so helpful since starting here at Textus and a mentorship at a company that I was looking to start in was really important to me. That was a must have for a company. And it's just been so beneficial to have somebody to reach out to ask those questions that maybe you're afraid to ask the others around you if you think it's a stupid question or something like it's not just you just have to ask it it'll all be good it'll all be over in a few seconds you'll feel better. But the mentorship here has been amazing with the senior front end engineers. And then outside of Textus, I do still talk to my mentor once every couple of weeks. His name is Austin. He was a mentor that I got set up with through Turing, and he's been in the workforce for a while. So he's also a great source of 
information and especially when it comes to things that you learn with experience when it goes to job hunting and things to look for in companies and whatnot. So yeah, mentorship is very important in my opinion. And I continue to keep in contact with those people. That's great. How about you, Jeff? Yeah. I mean, I have to echo what Luke said. I feel like pretty much everybody on the engineering team at Techstars has helped me at some point on the front end team. We have Jeremiah and Javier who at least once a week hop on Zoom and pair with us and help us out and always offer very thoughtful code review notes and then help us there. It feels like they're invested in helping us continue to advance. And I think that's a really lucky place to be for a junior is having people that are invested and in, in seeing you grow and get better and, and contribute more to the company outside of text us. Yeah. My, my main mentor is Mark Miranda. He went to touring school back in 2015 or 2016. He was one of the first people I knew of that did the coding bootcamp route. And I saw him five years later, really flourishing. And he always talked about his only regret was not doing it sooner. And even though he's a senior rails engineer now, and obviously I'm on the front end and I went to a different boot camp, So we diverged a little bit, but just having him and, and seeing his success uh, was honestly a big part of me deciding to pull the trigger to do a bootcamp in the first place. That's fantastic. And lastly, Sandra. Yeah, just I, I can't echo what they're saying. These guys are saying enough of everyone at Texas just being absolutely wonderful and, and just jumping on anything we need help with and mentoring and, and being thorough with their responses as well. Not just like, here's the answer. But like, hey, let's hop on Zoom and talk through this together. That's just been great. And then outside of work our official mentors that we get set up with through Turing that I still keep in contact with who are alumni. And then the person that connected me to all this that I used to work with at Habitat has just been mentoring me from the get-go and doing you know interview prep and every week while I was doing job searches and things like that and checking my resume out and cover letters and lots of support all around. But she's definitely been my main mentor from the get-go. So staying with you, Sandra, this is an important question to think about. And granted, you've only been a text us for two months. It feels like it's been a year and the three of you have contributed so much already. It's almost kind of shocking. And it's one of those situations where I'm like, why didn't I do this earlier? But if I did it earlier, I wouldn't have these three. So I'm sticking with the decision of where we went with this. But I'm curious, Sandra, you're, like I said, only two months into Texas, but have to ask, what is your plan on leveling up from junior to mid-level eventually? Yeah, I think you at some point in my first months, I shared a spreadsheet that y'all made of, you know, it has different tabs of the different roles, uh, like junior, mid-level, senior, and different paths to take. So one is scoring myself on those and seeing where my gaps are for sure. And then, yeah, just trying to figure out like, because I like data specific stuff so much is DevOps and like the efficiency of the pipeline of us deploying things where I want to go or is architecture or just staying as a Ruby on Rails like developer space and, and coding the way to go. And I don't know the answer yet, but, but yeah, I think finding those gaps and trying to work on those based on what y'all have communicated and just conversations, I think is, yeah, the gist of the main path so far. How about you, Jeff? Do you go deeper on the front end? Do you try to maintain full stack? What are you thinking? Yeah, I would like to stay connected to the back end, even though my full-time role is front end. I have continued to explore things like GraphQL and Django and just trying to keep my mind sharp in that regard. But, you know, with the front end, I'm just trying to be a sponge to just learn as much as I can. If I don't know something, I Google all day, every day, even if it's something I, I think I know how this works. I want to be sure I want to go check out the docs. So I'll just Google something. But yeah, just trying at this stage, being three months into my first job as a junior, I'm just trying to learn as much as I can and, and listen and pick up. What's your plan, Luke? 
just as far as like that spreadsheet that you shared with us, Brittany, it really keeps in mind the things that we need to like be aware of and track our progress and things like that. But for me personally, as far as like my path goes, I would really like to get more introduced into mobile development with our text us mobile app and having like a quick introduction in react native and things in uh at Turing. It's very cool. And I would like to learn more about front end engineering with uh, different technologies, whether it be web apps or native apps on phones or progressive web apps and things, just kind of exploring the horizon of what all front end engineering can touch and, and just kind of looking ahead in that and seeing where my passion lies within it. I love the attitude that your current stack isn't the only stack that you should know. And also, spoiler alert, I definitely have mobile application tickets coming your way, Luke. So it's coming. (laughs) Before we wrap up, does anyone have any resources? May it be newsletters, podcasts that you think listeners should check out? Just subscribing to Medium articles and just having Medium favorites and things because they'll always like send preferences your way. And you can you'll get an email about every morning with 10 to 12 different articles of things that will probably pique your interest. So Medium is is my tool. Yeah, I think honestly, if you're listening to this podcast already, this is a podcast I listen to for Ruby people. And then, yeah, Medium articles and like Ruby Weekly just to keep up to date with things. Yeah, I'll I'll jump on the Medium train. I think my $5 Medium subscription per month is one of the best five bucks I spend every month. I spend at least 15 or 20 minutes every morning while I'm having my coffee just reading that day's suggested medium articles, but then also I'll plug a book, you know, because a lot of boot camps jump you to modern, you know, JavaScript and, and react with hooks and those kind of things as quickly as they can ramp you up to get there. But going back and learning the fundamentals, I think is important, or at least I found it important so far. So the book eloquent JavaScript has been really, really helpful to help kind of fill in the gaps in my knowledge and go back and focus on, Hey, I work in react. I know react fairly well for at a junior level, but having that exposure to just basic vanilla JavaScript and how everything's working under the hood has been super enlightening for me. Uh, my copy of Eloquent JavaScript is dog-eared and highlighted and beat up, and I reference it almost every day. That's fantastic. That's the best way to keep a book. So we are going to go ahead and wrap up, and I'm sure that listeners are going to want to follow all three of you. Let's start with Luke. Definitely LinkedIn. And also GitHub as well. I'm pretty easy to find on LinkedIn, Luke Mason, and find a dude with a beanie. That's me. And then on GitHub, it is Luke Mason 33. All right. And I'm Jeff Golden again on pretty much any social platform, uh, GitHub, Twitter, or LinkedIn. You can find me at gjeffgolden or gjeffgolden.com. Yeah. Uh, again, Sandra Catalina. And yeah, you can find me on LinkedIn or GitHub. I believe my GitHub is linked to my LinkedIn. And yeah, shout out to my friend, Sam, who pointed me to this podcast very early on in my time at Turing. That's fantastic. Well, thank you all so much for coming on to the podcast today. As the listeners know, I have been talking and singing your praises. So it's great to be able to lend a voice to all three of you. Listeners, definitely check them out. And I beg of you to think about whether or not you can bring junior developers into your company. Not only, you know, do these three contribute so much meaningful work, they lend so much to our culture, and it's been really one of the best decisions we've made in 2021. So expect to hear from them again. Thank you all so much. You've been listening to the Ruby on Rails podcast. Follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded to stay in the loop on Ruby on Rails and open source software. While you're at it, please leave us a review. And thank you for listening.